Um, we have two passages today. The first one is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 11. That's page 961 in the Pew Bibles. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. The second passage is Luke 1, 1 through 4, and that's page 855 in the Pew Bibles. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. This is the word of the Lord. My oh, here we go. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see all of y'all. Um, if you guys don't know, my name is uh, Frank Kim. I am the youth pastor um, at this church, and you know we're having this joint worship to not only uh, to celebrate uh, this baptism of Kayla, um, but I was also asked um, by our um, English pastor to uh, uh, preach today uh, in, their, in the EM, their sermon series on hard questions about uh, Christianity, all right? And um, today I'm going to answer the question, is, is Jesus a real historical person, all right? And hopefully, um, hopefully I, I will give you a compelling case to show you that, yes, he is. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to say that we live in a very skeptical age, and it only gets uh, tougher with technology. Like, and I'll give you an example. What if I told you that when I was going to UCLA, I went to UCLA for college, uh, uh, as a student, uh, one random weeknight when I was uh, playing basketball at the student gym, um, I played, I met, and I played with a guy named Adam Sandler and his friend Peter Dante. All right, let me see here. If you guys don't know, is it working? Huh. PowerPoint? Here. Okay. Oh, my bad. Sorry. All right. Um, all right. Anyways, if you don't know, um, there you go. This guy, I play basketball. You may know him from movies. Adam Sandler, okay, he was in Big Daddy, he was in Waterboy, Happy Gilmore. I'm probably dating myself to my youth group kids now. Um, and his friend, and you guys are like, who's Peter Dante? That, that, this is Peter Dante, the, the quarterback from the Waterboy. 
if you guys, you know, loved Adam Sandler movies, right? So, you know, if I were to tell you that one random night I was playing basketball in the gym with my friends, and both Adam Sandler and Peter Dante came over and played some pickup basketball with me and my friends. And as an added kicker, he was wearing an all-white sweatsuit, okay? Like literally white sweatshirt, hooded sweatshirt, and white sweatpants, okay? And he was not in basketball shorts, but in that getup, right? And I actually got to guard him for one possession. Some of you might believe me, but most of you would probably tell me, get out of here, right? Or for my high school kids and the younger, younger folks, you know, they say nowadays, picks or it didn't happen. Or now they say what, video or didn't happen, right? Um, because it seems a bit of, you know, it seems a little bit of a make-believe, right? And it's unverifiable. For all you know, I could be lying. Right? In the same way, uh, when we think about the person of Jesus, it's very easy to think about, think that Jesus is not a real person and merely a legend or a myth because of the claims and accounts about him. I mean, just think about it, right? Uh, you read the Gospels, if you, know, if you know your Bible stories, if you've grown up in the church, right? and even if you've never grown up in the church, you've probably heard some of these things. Okay, Jesus is able to walk on water, heal the sick, make blind people see, lame people walk, people who, who, who can never walk their entire lives, all of a sudden they can walk. Right? He can bring the dead back to life, feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and remarkably resurrect after being dead for three days. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know anyone in my life, okay, or in all of history um, to have any of these things happen to anyone, let alone all of these things happen to one person. Think about it, right? and I'm sure, you know, if you've been a Christian any number of years, you've probably thought, okay, this, is, this seems a little too good to be true. It seems a bit unbelievable, right? And you add to that, that what we know and believe about Jesus is from 2,000 years ago, okay? So it's very easy <clears throat> to see why people would question whether Jesus was real and whether he was a historical figure, right? Because the accounts of Jesus seem unreal. Right? And at first glance, it seems like Jesus is more myth than historical figure, right? You know, people ask, couldn't people have made up the story about Jesus to get, to get people to believe in Christianity, right? Or, you know, and the common one that I always hear is, you know, how come, if Jesus is so real, how come there aren't more references about Jesus outside of the Bible? Now, you know, I, I studied all week for this, right? The simple answer, okay, is that Jesus, and I can tell you, in all my studies, basically the simple answer is that Jesus is a real historical person who lived in Israel during, first century, during the first century Roman Empire. And if I wanted to, we could end this question right here, right now. I could end this sermon right here and we can just all go home, okay? By saying, this is just not my own opinion. Right? Actually, this is not just even opinions of Christians. Now you might be thinking, okay, you're a pastor. Of course you're going to say that, that Jesus is a real historical person. No, but this actually, and after, after my studies, this is the consensus, consensus view of historical experts of early, Christ, of early Christianity that include 
many non-Christian experts, some who are even atheists and agnostics. Okay? There's a very famous, um, he, he teaches, in the, in the uh, Christian nerd world, there is a famous um, New Testament scholar. So there are scholars who literally spend decades, their whole life, studying this stuff. Jewish history, first century history, the Bible, how it's made. They criticize it, all of it. Okay, one of those guys' his name is Bert uh, Ehrman. And he's, he's touches, uh, he studies and he teaches. Sorry, ugh. Okay, I'm trying to put two of those words together. Uh, he teaches at uh, UNC, Chapel Hill. New Testament, right? And he concludes, he even says it, in all the scholarship, no one disagrees, right? The consensus is that Jesus is a real historical person. Even archaeologists agree that Jesus lived in the flesh, okay? So everyone, you know, if, if I wanted to, we could just say, okay, everyone go home, we're good, right? But, right, and this is, I, and I read this from, and, and I'll even give you a quote. I, I got this from National Geographic. Okay, the magazine, right? Very scientific based. And this, this uh, journalist um, uh, interviewed uh, Eric Myers, an archaeologist and, and professor in Judaic studies at Duke University. He says this, I don't know any mainstream scholar who doubts the historicity of Jesus. The details have been debated for centuries, but no one who is serious doubts that he's a historical figure. Now, I can't just end the sermon here because the next thing people want to know is, Show us the evidence. How do these guys know? Right? Like I said, we live in a very skeptical age where we, we're even willing to, to doubt experts. Okay? How can experts and scholars be so confident that Jesus existed? You know, how can they do that even with a 2,000-year knowledge gap that we have? Okay? It's not like we can go back in time. All right? If you guys are Back to the Future fans, like, it's not like we have that car with Doc Brown and we can you know, travel back in time. All right? It's not like, and history is not like a science experiment, like a hard science experiment that we can repeat over and over and over again to prove you know, something like a feather will float right, on water and a quarter or a penny will sink. Right? We can't do that. So then what evidence do we have? Is there any, any evidence to prove that Jesus is real? Honestly, we do not have his bones or blood samples, okay, because those things deteriorate rather quickly. 2,000 years is a long time, unless you have a mummified body, right, like in Egypt. But they didn't do that in, in Jewish customs, right, to prove he existed, right? And, you know, in our modern, you know, version of, you know, things only happen if you have a picture or video, they didn't have that technology back then, okay? Those things we don't have. But... If, you learn any, if, you, if you've ever taken an archaeology class, Archaeology 101, they say, absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. Okay? Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. So what do we have to do? We have to rely on other types of evidence basically to reconstruct you know, the plausibility and probability of the reality of Jesus as a real historical figure. So think of it this way. You have a crime scene. Okay? In order to prove that someone, you know, that, you know, person A was the murderer, okay? If you have video, great, right? I just saw um, on the news last week, um, they had a surveillance camera of a hit job by the mafia on 
on, on a, another mafia member that was botched, right? Great, if we have that, that's awesome, okay? But if you don't have that, you can still prove that person A, you know, was the murderer of the crime scene. How? Well, you reconstruct the murder through various different evidences, right? You look for, you know, DNA samples, right? You look, and then, and, and most importantly, you look for eyewitness accounts, okay? You look for eyewitness accounts, okay, to corroborate and fill out that picture, right? And so that's what we have to do. And, and historians, they have to reconstruct, okay, the plausibility, right? And so we look for different sources, either from eyewitnesses accounts that talk about Jesus or from secondary sources that talk about him. And of course, eyewitnesses source, you know, you ever learned in um, your sixth grade history class, right? Eyewitness sources are the best, right? But they're not the only sources, right? And we know that what? The more sources you have, the better to make your case. This is how history goes. So I'll give you an example. Who's ever watched the movie 300? Right? You've probably watched, you know, I know some of the guys have watched the movie 300. You know, that's the one where, you know, you have the Spartans and they go, this is Sparta, and he kicks the guy into the, uh, into the well or whatever it is, right? If you know that movie, you know, is actually based on true events, okay? It's called the Battle of Thermopylae. Oh, very good. There you go, right? And how do we know that the Battle of Thermopylae existed? And that's between, you know, Spartans versus Persians. How do we know? From history. And some of us would be like, oh, the smart eye would say, oh, from history books, right? But how do history books know that this battle existed? Well, we get most of our information from a man named Herodotus, who is considered, he is a Greek historian, considered the father of history, right? But he, if you know anything, he never actually saw it happen live. Herodotus was four years old at the time of that battle. Right? And it wasn't until 40 years later that he wrote the account of the Battle of Thermopylae. Right? By aggregating all these eyewitness accounts. Right? But it was also corroborated, okay, verified, that's another big word for just verified, by another historian named Ephorus. And we have, you know, archaeology to help us verify some of the claims that Herodotus made. And so, any good historian will tell you, because of that, we can safely assume the Battle of Thermopylae occurred. All right, so I just gave you, you know, I'm a history buff, that was my major, so I just kind of gave you an insight on how, you know, historians come to this conclusion, okay, of what, what other things happened, right? So in the case of Jesus, we have various sources within 100 years of his life that testify that Jesus is a real person, okay? And 100 years, that's actually a good number because it's, if you can do something within 100 years, that means there are people who are alive, okay? After 100 years, all right, you get a little sketchy, okay? So that's always like for historians, within 100 years, okay? That if you have sources within 100 years, you're, you're on solid ground. So we actually have sources within 100 years that, that testify to a real Jesus, and that includes non-Christian sources, okay? We actually have a guy named Tacitus, who was a Roman historian. He wrote something called the Annals, okay, his history book. Uh, this is from chapter 15, um, section 44, and this is what he says. Okay, he wrote about how Emperor Nero, during that time, persecuted Christians, right? 
And he said that Nero was falsely accusing Christians for the burning of Rome. And so this is what he writes. Christus, from where, whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and the most mischievous superstition thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. <laughs> Christus, essentially, we're talking about Jesus here. And what Tacitus is saying is that Christians are the cause of this problem in Rome because this man, Christus, and look what he says, and he even dates it, during the reign of Tiberius, and he's able to even say, oh, there, and there's other people associated to Christus, Jesus, our procurator, Pontius Pilate. Sounds familiar, huh? That guy, if you're a Christian, you probably know who he is. We can get going. Josephus wrote, he is, and he's, he's actually um, a very important source. Uh, Josephus was alive during the time of Jesus. He probably, he was born maybe six or seven years after Jesus' death. Okay. And, and he is an excellent source for us to have an understanding of first century Palestinian Jewish life. Okay. And he wrote a history book called Antiquities. And this is from book 20, chapter 9. Now, Festus was now dead and albinus, but upon the road. So he assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them, here we go, the brother of Jesus who was called Christ, whose name was James and some others. And we have formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law. He delivered them to be stoned. So he's talking about a high priest named Ananus, right, who apparently encountered the brother of Jesus, James. All right. We can keep going. Josephus also in 18.33, this section, um, they call for um, New Testament scholars, this is, they call this the Testimonium Flavanium. Right, so this is very famous. Right, it says, at this time, so he's giving an account of Jesus. At this time there appeared Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one should call him a man, for he was a doer of startling deeds, a teacher of people who received the truth with pleasure, and he gained a following both among many Jews and among many of the Greek origin. He was the Messiah. And when Pilate, because of an accusation made by the leading man among us, condemned it to the cross, those who had loved him previously did not cease to do so, for he appeared to them on the third day, living again, just as the divine prophets had spoken of these and countless other wondrous things about him. And up until this very day, the tribe of Christians named after him has not died out. Now, there is controversy to this text. Okay? A lot of people you know, throw this one out because Josephus was a Jew right? and an observant Jew meaning that he was not a Christian. But if you noticed, right there, he was the Messiah. Right? Those who had loved him previously did not cease to do so, for he appeared to them on the third day, living again, just as the divine prophets have spoken of these and countless other wondrous things about him. He looks at Jesus in a very positive light, e light even considering that he is the Messiah. So histor historians have concluded that Okay, there's something wrong here. Right? And what they've concluded is that someone doctored this part of the document. Okay? Because as an observant Jew, he would never make that claim that he was the Messiah. So probably some scribe afterward, maybe a Christian scribe, right, decided to add that. Now, when I look at that, I will agree. 
I tend to agree. Okay. Uh, I, there's no way Josephus was a Christian. So someone did doctorate. But some people are willing to dismiss this whole section right here because of that. But I would like to say something. There's a high probability, and this is what Bart Ehrman said. Okay, a non-Christian scholar. He said, it's highly likely that this whole thing isn't doctored, but these green parts are doctored. Right? That means then that Josephus had heard around the area of a man named Jesus, right? who is the source of Christianity. This, these three documents are not the most important evidence, but what I want to point out is that already within 100 years of Jesus' death, and in Josephus' case, within 50 years of Jesus' death, Josephus is already hearing about Jesus. All these guys are hearing about Jesus. He's, Jesus is important enough to get mentions. Okay? A guy who was a carpenter, who lived in the backwaters of Israel. Okay? You want to know, you know, you know, we've heard about Pilate, right? Pilate was a governor of Rome, and you expect a governor of Rome during that time, you know, there should be a lot of stuff. There are only a handful of mentions of Pilate. So you even caught it already. Ancient historians and, peop and ancient people assumed he was real and not some made-up legend. This myth notion that Jesus was a legend or a myth actually is a modern idea created during the 1800s, during the French Revolution. I will keep going, though. Do we have more evidence? Yes. Okay, we have more evidence. What evidence, what else, what other evidence do you have? Oh, sorry. All right, we have the Bible. Now, for those who are skeptical, you might be like, wait, wait a minute, that's not fair, right? Some might say that we can't use the Bible as a source because it has biases, and that the Gospels and letters in the New Testament are not historical sources. But I want us to remember something. The Bible, the New Testament, is every bit of a historical document as anything else. Yes, we believe that it is inspired by God. But at the same time, it was written by particular people in a particular time period, in a particular location. And many of Paul's letters are addressed to particular peoples. Right? So I think it's actually, and historians will say that it's actually a good historical document to use as evidence for Jesus. Right? When we look at our first pa or second passage that we read this morning, in as, you know, in Luke, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative, so Luke, you know, we um, is the author of the Gospel of Luke. Right? And he says, inasmuch as I've undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, talking about Christians, the early church, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, talking about the disciples here, it seemed good to me also, having fallen all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. And he's telling it to Theophilus, a real person, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In other words, the whole purpose of the Gospel of Luke is to say, hey, Theophilus, 
I went around, interviewed a bunch of different people, hung out with the guys who knew Jesus best, right? So that, and I compiled this history so that you would know what's true. That does not sound like mystical mumbo jumbo to me. Sounds like a very rational person trying to recreate what happened during the time of Jesus. Right. Um, and if we can't use the Bible because of its biases, you know what that's saying? It's like saying, you know, we can't use Grace Park or Hudson Park or Laura Park or Elizabeth Park's testimony to know anything about Pastor Susan. Because they're family. So you can't use family to know what, you know, who Pastor Susan is. We laugh at that because that's ridiculous. Right? And so we can use the Bible as, as historical evidence. Now, can we trust the, trust the Gospels? Can we trust the letters? Absolutely. All four Gospels have the death of Jesus, which is the same. And then each of them have different stories about Jesus. Okay? So they have, which shows us that they have independent accounts of Jesus, not found in the other. Right? Mark also, the, the book of Mark was written, historians say, about roughly 70 CE, or I mean AD. Right? Within 40 years of Jesus' death. Matthew and Luke, Luke were written within 10 to 15 years later. And so by AD 85, you have three different independent gospels that corroborate, not collaborate. Okay, corroborate. This is very important. Okay, we all know that what? If I have to go to what my wife and say, okay, we have to get our story straight. Okay, everything has to match up. And then if we go... And, you know, tell, you know, tell someone our, that story, what's going to happen? People are going to be like, this is a little too um, neat and tight for comfort, right? You're more apt to think it's a lie if our stories match up everything. Because what? People have different perspectives and views. So if you have the same stories, but also have different viewpoints, that actually is better. Difference in the Gospels does not mean that the Gospels are fake. So corroboration versus collaboration. Three independent sources, all with by 80, 85, talk about Jesus. You have that, all right? Um, but I can keep going. They have specific, in, all, in a lot of these um, Gospels, they... They talk about specific people and specific places, right? Names like Pontius Pilate, right? Luke talks about Pontius Pilate. They all talk about Pontius Pilate, right? Which is corroborated not by Christian sources, but I showed you earlier. Tacitus corroborates it. But we also have archaeology. They found a little stella, okay, a little um, monument thing with inscriptions of Pontius Pilate's name, who was a governor of Judea. So there's corroboration there. Um, at one point, people, some people didn't trust the Gospels as real history because the Gospels say that what Jesus was from Galilee, Galilee and that he, that he went into the synagogues and preached. And up until two, the year 2004, there was no evidence that Galilee had any synagogues during the time of Jesus. So people are like, see, this is why we can't trust 
the Gospels as a historical source. But in 2004, a Catholic priest and a team of diggers unearthed, they were, they were trying to create like another church, and as they were digging, they unearthed a synagogue from the time of Jesus. Right. I read this in the National, you can look it up, it was in the National Geographic article. Right. By naming names and places, the Gospels are doubling down on their historical accuracy and its truthfulness. Because they're saying, go investigate. Now you really have to strain to not believe that Jesus is not a historical person. But let's keep going. There's one more person, right? Um, guy's name is Paul, right? who is an apostle, right? who is probably one of the most influential Christians in all of history. And most of our letters that we get in the New Testament are from him. Right? In our passage from 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us, when you put it up real quick, for I delivered to you as of first importance, and here's what he says, what I received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Keep going. That he was buried, that he was raised from the third day in accordance with the scriptures. We'll just stop right there. What is he saying? He's saying that there is an oral tradition that he had received. And those are the three things, right? He was buried, he was raised from the dead, and what was previous? Uh, and he died for our sins, that Jesus died for our sins. Now, that means that this oral tradition was around very early, soon after Jesus died. So most of the earliest dated um, letters for Paul, which is Thessalonians, is around 49 AD, 19 years within Jesus' death. On top of that, uh, Paul, in many of his letters, kind of gives an autobiographical account. Uh, Galatians talks about Paul. Um, he talks about his testimony of how he, how he converted, how he spent time with, with uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Right? And he even you know, has, you know, gives certain leaders right, and kings uh, during his missionary journeys and his time. And so scholars who you know, spent their whole life doing this basically reconstructed all these little pieces, and they have concluded that Paul's conversion to Christianity is roughly within two to three years of Jesus' death. Two to three years within Jesus' death. So what he says in Galatians, what he says in 1 Corinthians, that means, you know, this tradition that was passed to him, that he passes to others, that tradition was passed down to him within one to two years of Jesus' death. Why does that matter? Why does that show us? How does that show us that Jesus existed? If Jesus wasn't real or if he was a myth or a legend, it is a hard to account for all these different and various sources. You have several non-Christian non sources who have no, they have no reason to, to be biased, to, fav to favor Christianity. Shoot, Tacitus and... And some of these other guys look down upon Christianity. But they assume Jesus was real. You have gospel accounts that present with accuracy the time and place of Jesus, along with independent accounts of Jesus that corroborate Jesus within a hundred years of his death. You have one written source who testifies to reveal Jesus within 19 years of his death. And Paul gives us clues that he was even converted within two years of Jesus' death. He, and, I, and there's more evidence. I can talk about more, but we'll end right, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail. He knew Peter, who was Jesus, one of 
you know, Jesus' closest disciples. And he also knew of James, the brother of Jesus. But when you put it all together, now, and I'll just say this, it's intellectually foolish to deny that Jesus was a real historical person. Okay, fine. You know, some people might say, fine. Okay, even if Jesus was a real person, couldn't his followers have embellished all those things about him being God, about him doing those miracles about his resurrection? You know, that should be a sermon for another time. I'll just give you one little food for thought. I don't think so. Because these things are being attested to Jesus within, Paul's doing it within two years of Jesus' death. The Gospels are doing it within, within 50 years of Jesus' death. That is too short of a time to develop legends. Legends develop over at least 100 years. And why do I say 100 years? So that all the people who are alive during that time cannot refute if you want a legend to develop, you wait until everyone who was living at that time to die. You want to wait for everyone to die so that your lie can have a fighting chance. Because if you start trying to create a legend during the time right, that a person is alive, someone will just come up to you and be like, hey, John, man, like, what is this craziness? You lost your marbles? It is too hard for legends to pop up. And we have evidence that a lot of this stuff happened within 100 years. Secondly, I would say there is no incentive for Jesus' followers to make this stuff up. There is no benefit to them. We're going to go back to Paul. Paul was a Pharisee. And he says it himself, I was, I was a Pharisee and I persecuted Christians. In the book of Acts, it talks about how he killed Christians. He went out and round up Christians. He says in Acts, he says in Galatians, why? Because as, fair, as a Pharisee, and if you're any self-respecting Jew and devout Jew of this time, of first century Rome, you would have found the claims of Jesus to be horrifying. Because for first century Jews, it wasn't even in the realm of thought to think that God could be human. They believed that God there was only one God, and he was far away. He was transcendent. So for any Jew to say, to say all of a sudden, oh, yeah, this guy Jesus was God, okay, that would have been like, no, you don't do that. And because Paul is a Pharisee of Pharisees, right, that was a heresy. And so it was within his every right to go and persecute the church because they are, in his mind, they are falsely, attributing God to a man. You will be denying your faith and who you are as a Jew, and you would deny, you would probably be denying your family if you believed in Jesus as God. So he opposed it, killed Christians, arrested them. But the crazy part is, he talks, Paul talks about this in Galatians, Acts talks about it. Paul became a radical believer. Radically, he changed one day. He started to believe what he had been taught to resist his whole life. Believe in a God who became man and was crucified. That was the other thing they hated. Because 
in the Jewish, in, in the Old Testament, it says that any man who is hung on a tree is cursed. So how can a Messiah, how can the, you know, the Savior, the coming King Jesus, be the Messiah if he was hung on a cross? That is cursed by God. That is completely bonkers. So, then we only have two options. Either Paul went crazy, or he encountered the real and living God, Jesus, along with scores of other folks. Then we are left to wrestle with the person of Jesus. And I don't think Paul is crazy. Paul is probably more brilliant than any of us. You ever read his letters? This guy is like a genius. And his ability to logically think through things, and his ability to write, sometimes it's a little confusing. But for the most part, man, this guy is one smart dude. I don't think he went crazy. Then again, we are left to wrestle with the person of Jesus, God who became man in the flesh in a specific time in history. And that's super important for us because our faith is grounded in history that something amazing really happened. It's not a fantasy. It's not a fairy tale. That God would redeem us, this universe, through his son, Jesus. And so, you know, if you're struggling with this, you're going to have to wrestle with that. If you are of a believer, I will say, understand our faith is not some pie-in-the-sky make-believe, but we can have certainty because our God, our Savior, is the Savior of history. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we come before you and we thank you for um, that you sent your son in a particular place, in a particular time. I mean, it's, I, I can't even fathom that, Lord Jesus, Jesus is a Jew. <laughs> a living, breathing Jew. And you did that so that we could be redeemed. And... And we thank you that you do that so that we can have certainty in our faith because then we can actually investigate our history. We can investigate these sources and know that you are real. And so, Lord, I pray that for those who are on the fence about their faith or those who are inquiring about, their, about Christianity, um, I pray that you would encounter them. Um, and that they, they would search and dig and see, Lord, that you are real. And for those who are believers, I pray that, um, that this would build their faith, that they know and, and any of those doubts that they may have had uh, would be washed away, oh Lord, to know that um, you gave us clues, essentially. Even though we're 2,000 years apart, that you gave us clues to know that you are real and you are alive. Thank you, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.